Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only sports show from RNZ Sport. I'm Barry Guy. In the program this week, the country gears up for Joseph Parker's world heavyweight title fight in Auckland. Lydia Coe's former coach says the 19-year-old's parents are influencing her game too much. The hunt for a new Wellington Phoenix coach begins after Ernie Merrick's shock resignation. Shane Van Gisbergen ends the Australian Supercars Championship in style. And the Black Sticks men's coach Colin Batch leaves New Zealand for his dream job. Boxer Joseph Parker is preparing for the biggest fight of his career Saturday night. He takes on American-Mexican Andy Ruiz for the WBO World Heavyweight title in Auckland after the title was left vacant by Britain's Tyson Fury. 24-year-old Parker is unbeaten in his 21 professional bouts. Ruiz's record is even better, having won all 29 of his fights. Parker told Guy Espiner that while he is the underdog, he believes he will come out on top. As a young boy, I've always dreamed of fighting for the championship of the world. I don't know where or when or who I was against, but I, I've always had that dream. And, you know, I've visualised myself being champion of the world ever since I was a young boy. So I guess uh, that's why I believe it's my time. But also when I had my first professional fight, my granddad watched it and he passed away. But before he passed away, he said, you know, from now on, you're, you're going to go all the way to the championship of the world and you're not going to lose. So I, I, I've held on to that. So you feel that um, you're, you're trying to fulfil his prophecy or his legacy, if you like? Yeah, sort of fulfil that, but also you know, achieve the goal that I've set out to achieve. And also I just want to, I know I want to be part of history and I want to make this country proud. So I believe it is my time and I've you know, worked pretty hard for the past three or four years to get to this position. Or I guess ever since I was a young boy to get this, to this position. And I have a great team around me, so I don't see why I should lose this fight. I've been training pretty hard. I feel great mentally and physically in great shape. So it's, uh, it's, it's all great from here. Yeah, but your opponent, uh, Ruiz, I mean, he is of a level that perhaps some of your, your other opponents haven't quite been at. He's in pretty good shape by the looks of things. What do you make of him? For me, yeah, he's, uh, like you say, he's, he's on another level. He's, uh, he's a great fighter. I respect him a lot. He's got a lot of speed, power. You know, he constantly comes forward and puts under pressure. So, I mean, he's, he's ready and he's prepared. You know, he moved his camp to Big Bear. He's training with Abel Sanchez. He's lost a lot of weight. So he's probably, he says he's in the best shape he's ever been in, in his whole career. And he's a, young, he's a young, hungry fighter like myself. So I guess I feel like it is my time, but you know, he feels like it's his time as well. So it's going to be, for me, this is a, it's going to be a great fight. You know, there's going to be a lot of fireworks. There's going to be a lot of action. But we're going to go out there and fight our hard outs. Yeah, hey, look, I'm told that you've sparred with him before and that he was pretty tough. Yeah, yeah I sparred with him in 2013. I was fresh as a professional, and he's, he had you know, a lot more experience than I did at the time. And I, when, I, when I first saw him sparring with someone else, and I was going to jump in next and spar with him, but I saw him sparring someone else, and he was going at about 10%. And I thought, you know, I thought, this guy can't fight just because of 
what I was looking at. You know, I you know he wasn't in the best shape, and Kevin kept telling me, "Don't look at his shape. You know, don't look at what he's doing. He's not even showing you anything." So, you know, I didn't really sort of take his advice. And when I jumped in there, I got hit so hard, and I got chased around the ring for four rounds, and it was a shock. So I guess you know, from from that experience, I'm not going to judge anyone by how they look anymore. I mean, that was three years ago. Now it's three years later. I, I believe we're both different fighters. Yeah. Hey, though, Joseph, do you see yourself as the underdog in this bout? I, I see myself as the fighter of less experience and less years as a professional. So that's the that's the reason why I believe he's he's the favorite because he's uh the, the experience and being a professional longer. Mm. But one thing I guess is in your favour, the hometown advantage of your like. How is how important is that to you? Oh, I'm so excited to have the fight here, and I wouldn't want to have it anywhere else. And the reason why we wanted to have it here in New Zealand to give back to all those New Zealanders who have supported us from the start. You know, we, we fought around the, New Zealand, we fought in Christchurch, in Chicago, we fought in um, North. We feel like you know, I'm a New Zealand fighter, so it's, it's good to give back to them and give them this big event, you know, the heavyweight championship of the world. Hey, just want to talk a little bit about your preparation here. Uh, there was some suggestion that you might have overtrained for the Tuckham fight um, back in May, I think it was. Uh, what have you done to try to get your preparation and balance this time? Well, you know, with the second fight, I didn't. I, I, I honestly, before that, I didn't believe in anything called overtraining. And we, you no, know, we thought the second fight is a big fight, so we made the camp a long camp. Now, you, we usually have eight or nine week camps, and that's the pretty much longest. But with the second fight, we had a fourteen week camp, and I felt like in the camp, round about week eight, I, I hit a wall, and my, it's, 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 I've never felt this feeling before. You know, I was overtrained. My body was so tired for three or four days, couldn't train, couldn't really do much because I was so. Just like, the body was drained of energy, but I guess uh, no. Leading with the, the fight that we just had previously with Dimitrinka, we changed the training around. We changed, we got in a personal trainer. We did some weights. We cut down the conditioning. So a lot of things were changing around in camp. We we felt like we we found 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 the right actually structure and the balance. Are you going to win? That's my plan. I want to I, I want to make history and I make uh, our country's proud. New Zealand side more, but you know I have a hungry young fighter as well on on the opposite side. So. The thing I'm going to say is just I'm going to go out there and do my best. Joseph Parker speaking with Guy and Espiner. The fight will be the first time a New Zealand boxer contends for the WBO World Heavyweight title. Reporter Indira Stewart visited South Auckland where Parker started his career during the countdown to the fight and found the whole community is getting behind him. Both David Tua and Joseph Parker started their careers in this community. So it's no surprise that locals at this Zumba class in Mangere's town centre are overflowing with excitement in the lead-up to this week's fight. Local Māori warden Georgina Tahana says she can't wait for the match. Hey, go South Auckland because so proud of you, or so proud of the two men that we've had to represent South Auckland. Just from South Auckland, yeah, you rock, Joseph Parker. <laughs> Many in this community share similar predictions for the fight. I think it was Joseph Parker to win. Second round or, yeah, second round. Knockout. I love to see him knock that, that guy up. So, yeah, knockout. Probably in round eight. Yes, um, he is good looking and I know he's going to win for sure. Hell yeah! <laughs> Joseph's mother, Salah, says her son's journey is evidence of the old proverb, it takes a village to raise a child. Uh, this is everybody's contribution in their growing up. Everybody's supporting them, cheering them, cheering them up. So it's, it takes a whole world, if not a community, to raise these boys. 
and I'm so grateful for the support out there. Both his mother Sala and his father Dempsey say they have butterflies but are looking forward to the fight. They jokingly call themselves the heavy security team for both Joseph and his younger brother John, who's also set to contend in the opening fight on Saturday's card. At the Pullman Hotel, their room sits directly opposite the rooms of both their sons, Joseph and John, where Sala keeps a watchful eye. She wants to make sure both boys are focused and in bed on time. Wherever he, he fights, we have to travel to ensure you know, um, he's prepared himself well and also to support. I guess that's uh, the main focus. What we have experienced so far they needed to see our face, that we're there for them. And that's another huge motivation for the boys. The parents have played a huge part in Joseph's career. Two years ago, Sala Parker resigned from her job as a social worker to help support Joseph in his career. Dempsey says since they first started fighting, he's actively taken part in their training. Yeah. took them to run on the road while I followed them with the car. Well, just to, to guard them from the dogs. So he had to, to follow in a vehicle with this long stick. And once they see the dogs, he will just stop the car, get out with the stick and chase them away and get back into the vehicle again and off they run. He says nutrition has always been key. From the amateur, I had to boil this much eggs in the pot because um, I was thinking of giving him a lot of protein, but, but there was no um, protein powder for him, so I have to cook every morning. Yeah. While this week has brought a busy schedule for the family, Dempsey says cooking for his boys remains his focus. That's why we have to cook some food at home, boiled chicken, no fats, we make sure everything is right this week. We cook from home and bring it to the hotel. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So every morning he goes off to work and he will finish work, go home and cook for the boys and bring it here. Early in Joseph's career, an agreement was made with his trainer, Kevin Barry, that Joseph would only train or fight between Monday and Saturday. Whatever the outcome of Saturday's title fight, the next day will be like all Sundays for the Parker family, with Sulla and Dempsey adding that they will go home as a family, pray and thank God. They have two words of advice for both their sons. Concentrate. Concentrate. Discipline. Now after doing all the things that I'm supposed to do, like fasting, praying, then I'll feel good. And then to leave the rest to Emily Father. From Joseph's hometown in South Auckland, the support remains strong. Three, two, one. For Extra Time, this is Indira Stewart. New Zealand golfer Lydia Coe's now former coach, David Ledbetter, is worried her parents could be sabotaging her career. Coe's team made the decision to split from the world-renowned coach who helped her to 12 LPGA titles, including two majors in the three years they worked together. The 19-year-old won four times this year and won a silver medal at the Rio Olympics, but has had a slump in form in the latter part of the year. Ledbetter couldn't say a bad word about Coe when talking to RNZ's Matt Chatterton, but believes her parents, dad in particular, are putting too much pressure on her. You know, it's been extremely difficult the last few weeks trying to coach Lydia, you know, because, you know, the father's been heavily involved and, you know, it's very difficult teaching. It's, it's difficult enough coaching one person. When you've got to try to coach two and try to interpret what they're saying, it's not that easy, you know. So that that really, you know, I, I made that 
clear at our meeting. I said, listen, this, you know, you can't go on like this, you know, because, you know, you can only have one coach, you know, it's like, you know, you're, Either your father wants to coach you, or you, you know, you you find, you know, that I, I can't do it. I mean, it's, first of all, it's embarrassing standing at a tournament. And you've got somebody standing right next to you, and somebody, you know, on every shot, somebody's saying something, you know, muttering something, and you know, do this, do that, do the other, and you're trying to sort of get somebody ready, you know, to get, get go out and play, you know, and it's like, you know, it's just not the way it works, you know, and so, you know, I know some other teachers would have probably just walked off at that point, but. You know, but look, I know they're you know they're a close knit family, and uh, look, they, you know, it's always hard when you know parents have brought their child up, and you know they've got a prodigy there, and uh, they've obviously been successful. Uh, but you know, there's a point in time where you've got to sort of let, you know, let the bird fly, so to speak. let the you know let the bird fly the nest, so to speak, and let her do her own thing because she can, you know, she's quite capable of doing that, you know, and uh, she has to make these decisions on her own, and you know, I mean, some of these decisions. You know, if you don't let, if you don't let this, if you don't let a player or a young person make their own decisions and make a few mistakes, you know, they, they you know, they can, you know, it's it's it, it makes it makes things tough in the long run. I mean, look, she's a tremendous talent, and look, they can go to another coach, and I'm sure she's going to have success. And you know, if they find that right recipe, and Lydia does take control over what she's doing, I mean, look, she could go on to even bigger and better things. You know, I, you know, I find it hard to find it hard to see how she could have the same meteoric rise that she's had these first three years. I mean, because, you know, it's not only, you know, her play, it's also the other players. You know, you've got some superstars out there now, you know, like this Aria Jutanagan, who's a, you know, an amazing athlete and hits the ball miles. And, you know, she's going to be around for a long time. You know, got some players of similar age to to Lydia, you know, so she, when she came on the scene, I mean, she just hit the scene running and uh, it was like, oh my goodness, look at this. But now you're getting, you know, you're getting the, you know, the, uh, you know, Brooks Henderson's and the Charlie Howells and, uh, who, and these young Korean players, uh, you know, that seem to be, you know, coming off the, <laughs> off the assembly line, you know, and uh, there's going to be some tremendous competition going forward. So it's not going to be just plain sailing. And so, you know, you 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 got to try to keep things simple, and uh, you know, to me, it's like you just you go back to basics and you you analyze where things you know could have been better and so on and so forth. But you know, if you you know if you keep sort of uh, you know just to reinvent the wheel is not necessarily the way to go. But hey, you know, it may work. You know, I mean, things have happened like that in the past, and you know, you can blame the swing and you can do this and say, oh well, hey, she was using David Ledbetter's ace swing; it wasn't working. Well, it Sure as hell worked for the first two and a half years, you know. <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> so uh, anyway, you know, it's a, it's, yeah. it's, you know, as I said, there's no hard feelings. I mean, look, it, it, it does come with the territory, and you always realise that, you know, there's a possibility these sort of things happen, you know. So, you know, is is her father at risk of sabotaging her career? Do you think? Well, you know, I mean, look. You know, look, he's a he's a very interesting guy. I mean, look, he's he's not really a player of any sort, you know. But he he knows Lydia, he knows her characteristics, and you know, he knows you know, certain things. And uh, but you know, I, I've always felt, look, if you're going to have a coach, you hand the player over to the coach. Why why get involved? You know, I mean, if 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 if, if you want to coach the player, then why hire a coach to start with? You know, so it's like. You know, so yeah, you have to be, you know, you have to sort of look at it and say, well, you know, I mean, it's, it's something that, you know, Lydia is aware of. Uh, and, you know, I think she's trying to take more control, but it's a, you know, there's a cultural aspect here. There's a, you know, to take into account. There's a, 
you know, and, you know, and they're not bad people. I'm not, I'm not suggesting they're bad people at all. I mean, but I am, you know, I am suggesting there's maybe a little too much parental involvement there, and you know, Lydia should be given a, uh, you know, given a, a leash where she can, you know, she can prove, you know, that she can do this on her own. She doesn't need, you know, doesn't need a lot of support around her apart from her, apart from her coaching team, you know. And so, to me, it's like, hey, you know. Just let her do her thing. You know, she's going to be just fine. That's golf coach David Ledbetter talking to Matt Chatterton. And this is Extra Time. The Wellington Phoenix say a replacement for outgoing coach Ernie Merrick will be made before Christmas. Merrick, who's coached the side in the Australian Football League for the past three and a half years, announced his shock departure earlier this week, with the club languishing at the bottom of the competition following their sixth loss of the season. Sports editor Stephen Houston has more on Merrick's unexpected exit and who might be his replacement. What a strike on Rike! This is a match he will never forget. Two goals of the highest quality. That 2-0 loss to Adelaide on Sunday was the final straw for Ernie Merrick. At a team dinner later that night, Merrick stood up and announced he was resigning, which captain Andrew Durante says completely took the side off guard. Players' reaction was silence. No one said anything. Everyone was trying to take it in, and and then Ernie and the staff left the room. And actually, Mossy stood up and said, "This is on us, and it is. The players have to own this." At the end of the day, the coach takes the full brunt of of poor performances. We know that. That's that's the nature of of the beast of the sport. But um, yeah, we we have to accept that we are responsible for this. The Phoenix have won just two of their eight games this season. But Durante says suggestions that the players had lost faith in Merrick are off the mark. You read social media and people come up with their own opinions that he lost the change room and lost the playing group and never. There was never any of that. And we're, we're obviously shocked and disappointed. We still believe that he could have got us out of this. The Phoenix Club chairman Rob Morrison says Merrick wanted to resign after the side 6-1 hiding at the hands of Melbourne victory in October. But he persuaded him to stay on. Sometimes you can get most of your ducks aligned, but there's a, there's a sort of X factor that sits there that you can't quite figure out. And in this particular case, he said, really honestly, I don't think I can find that X factor which is going to get these players winning. Ernie Merrick is adamant that he wasn't under pressure to call it quits. I made the call. I didn't want anyone to get blamed for it other than myself. And I'm sort of in the back of my mind, I'm going, no, you should just hang on a little bit longer because it will work. But um, no, I made the call and uh, I'll stick by it. The Phoenix management have drawn up a shortlist of possible candidates to replace Merrick and intend announcing a replacement before Christmas. And the Phoenix captain Andrew Durante says the players need to take responsibility for Merrick's sudden resignation. The club will waste no time in appointing its successor, having already drawn up a shortlist, with a permanent replacement expected to be appointed before Christmas. Durante told Stephen Hewson Merrick shouldn't have found himself in the position he did. He felt he couldn't get what he wanted out of the playing group anymore and he felt it was time that somebody else took over. And It was silence, silence around the room. It was, it was shock. No one really knew what to say. I actually didn't know what to say. I hadn't been in a situation like that before and I was... Just trying to process it all, and um, yeah, now you've had time to think about it. You've, you've, you know, all the players need to reflect on their contribution to that, and and there'll be no finger pointing at, at Ernie, saying you know this is his fault. You know, we, we need to accept the blame and we need to own up to that. And and I hope 
that that fact alone will be the, the turning point of our season, that there's an open, honest assessment of our performances and, and that's what can change uh, our, our results and, and we get on a winning streak and you know we, we can't let this season go to waste. We've got too good of a team for this season to go to waste and we need to believe that and we need to own up to that and um, you know we've got a great game on Saturday, Central Coast, uh, a home game in Hamilton and you know I'm sure you'll see a big response. Have you had a chance to sit down and have a heart-to-heart with Ernie? I sat with him after, after the announcement. He, he left the room and then myself and Vinny caught up with him down at the lobby and, and sat with him for a good half an hour and discussed his decision, You know, told him that we felt we had let him down as, as a playing group and that he didn't need to take the full brunt of this. But his decision was made and, and he basically said he didn't want any sympathy from it. He didn't want um, you know anyone to try and change his mind. But um, you know, I felt it was important that we let him know that um, he wasn't alone in this and, and that there was obviously a, a massive part by the players in, in this decision. You're obviously feeling quite emotional about it. Yeah, it's, he's, he's been fantastic with me. He's been a fantastic coach. Um, you know, I've, I've been proud to be his captain for, for the last three and a bit years. Um, he's taught me a lot uh, as, a, as a person. Um, yeah, footballing's improved out of sight as, as a team, individually. Um, he's, he's, he's a great guy. He's, he's got high morals. You can see by the way he's handled himself in this that he's a man of um, great pride and you know it's it's something that everyone should admire and uh, you know we can learn a lot from him. In a sense, though, it might even be a shame if the, the side, in a sense, kicks on. It's taken this to maybe find the X factor that, that Ernie has talked about. Yeah, and, and that can absolutely happen. You know, I was at Newcastle Jets in the second season. We didn't win a game in the first seven. The coach got sacked, and we ended up going one game short of the of the final. Um, sometimes that happens in football, a new coach, a new face, new words, a realisation that the players haven't been performing and it's tough that that's what has to happen maybe but um, like I said well, there's no way we'll just sit back and keep our heads down and think oh what a waste of, of the start of the season. We, you know, We need to understand that this can be a turning point and that we really need to um, make sure that we're, we're in the finals. Is it enough do you think to give the side a kick up the, the backside? I'll make sure it is. Um, you know, I'll make sure that everyone's fully motivated, fully understands what's what's going on here and, and what's taken place. And that um, you know, we owe it to the fans, to the club, to, to even Ernie, that we, we move on, we kick on, and and, and give it everything because we've got we've got a hell of a good team. Um, there's no way that if you look at the eleven on on the team sheet that we would uh, should be at the bottom of the table, but we are. There's a reason for that, and, and we'll make sure that we change it. Andrew Durante talking to Stephen Hewson, and you're listening to Extra Time. Shane Van Gisbergen became the first New Zealander in 25 years to win the Australian Supercars title last weekend and put the icing on the cake by winning the last race of the season. He's the first New Zealander to win an Australian Touring Car Championship since the legendary Jim Richards in 1991. 27-year-old Van Gisbergen spoke to David Long a few days after his historic success in Sydney and reflected on what's been a career-best season and what lies ahead. Just celebrating with the team was a pretty cool moment and, yeah, seeing how how excited everyone was, how much it meant to them, that's uh, pretty cool. How, how much has it sort of changed things for you? Oh, I don't think it changes anything. It's just, just an awesome feeling, um, something I've always worked towards and wanted to achieve. So, yeah, now finally finally getting it. It's uh, just wanted more. Come back next year, try to do it again. We've seen a lot of sports, you know, whoever's like, whoever's wearing a yellow jersey in the Tour de France or whatever, whoever's like the, the current champion, they sort of... Yep. Yeah, they're the sort of the boss of the, of the drivers and that sort of thing. Do you think you'll sort of take on that mental? Oh, I don't go like that. Everyone starts from zero next year. It doesn't give me a head start or anything. So, 
uh, yeah, we won this year, but next year's a different story. Yeah, yeah. I know you um, you were keen on Craig finishing third. Yeah. And this is another way. It's nice to have two New Zealanders in the top three. Oh, exactly. I was sort of torn there. I really wanted the team to do well, um, to be one, two, three. But if Craig had to be beaten, it was good to see Scotty or any other Kiwi could have been, could have been. But um, yeah, awesome to have Scotty up there. He's a pretty talented driver, and with his new team next year, he's going to be tough to beat too. Yeah, and I see you're not making, you're not sort of uh, putting your feet up having a rest. You're off racing again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, go to Malaysia tomorrow night, and then straight to America after that. So. So when are you going to get a chance to pick your feet? I'll get two weeks off over New Year's, so it'll be good. Are you coming back to New Zealand? Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. Oh, okay, right, so, yeah. Yeah. Do you ever sort of feel you need a real long break, though? Or do you nah, no. What we do is not that hard. It's pretty fun, and it's, we do it because we love it, not it's not work. And I just wonder, what do you get from your family? What do you think is it, you know, it's, like, most of this year has been you sort of consistently up there, and it's always been... Um, you know, Scotty in a, in a similar car to James, but it always been a bit quicker. What do you think makes a, makes a driver one of the ones that's just a little bit quicker than one he's not? Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't, don't really know. I think this year we've had pretty equal times of being faster than the other, Jamie and I, and yeah, I don't know, just come down to who made less mistakes. And um, as well as yourself up the front, you know, there's two New Zealand drivers who've been down the back a lot, Andre and Chris, and, yep. you know, you've, you've sort of, when you're coming through, is it tough to... Yeah. You know, how sort of tough is that situation when you're... Yeah, when you're I think it's because our series is so close. All the guys are operating at a good level, as, as they say, and, and I think, you know, Chris and Andre are only a few tenths off the pace, but it's the back of the field, unfortunately, so with time and their experience, they'll get better and better. Yeah, how's your mum and dad been since Yeah, yeah good. Yeah. It's well. just awesome to have them here, so... Yeah, uh, spend a bit of time with them, and I'll see them soon as well. So pretty cool. Yeah. And have you had many messages from any other anyone else in New Zealand at all? Yeah, yeah, there's been, been a few guys. It's it's awesome to see that support, and we got a message from uh, Brody Retart this morning, and, and a couple of other drivers and everything, and all around the world too. So it's pretty awesome. Shane Van Gisbergen. The former Black Sticks men's hockey coach Colin Batch says the opportunity to coach the Australian team was one he just couldn't pass up. Batch played 175 tests for Australia and worked as an assistant coach for the Kookaburras and as the head coach of Belgium before taking up the Black Sticks men's coaching role in 2012 following their failed Olympic campaign. He signed a four-year contract extension in October and he says when he agreed to stay on in New Zealand he had every intention of doing so, but you can never be so sure in sport. Look, it's a great opportunity that I've got in Australia. I've been appointed the Australian men's coach so that's one part of it, but it gives my wife and I the opportunity to head back to Perth and uh, be around family. We've got three kids over there and we've been out of Perth now for eight years, so it's quite a long time and uh, we'll really look forward to being back with our family. Uh, the bonus, of course, is coaching the Australian men's team. Obviously, you say it's um, a great opportunity for you, but the resignation does come just couple of months after you did recommit to another four years with New Zealand I guess when you did make that commitment did you have every intention of staying on for that next four years? Yeah of course I wasn't looking at an opportunity elsewhere and I was very pleased to be here my wife's got a good job as well and you know we like living in Auckland things were pretty comfortable here but um, things change and there was an opportunity presented to me a a couple of weeks ago and then I looked at it and I was offered the position last week so yeah you're just never sure in sport and yeah I I don't feel great about uh, leaving New Zealand I've enjoyed my time here Um, Hockey NZ have looked after me Um, I've had good support so I've been very happy from that point of view. 
you say that you have loved your time here and you have been very happy. Would I be right in saying that this is sort of the one opportunity that would take you away from New Zealand? Yes, yeah, I think that's that's true. Look, I guess uh, while I haven't thought this over the last couple of years, that it was once a dream job for me. And then I, I coached throughout Australia, but also in Belgium and now in New Zealand. And um, I didn't really, well, I wasn't looking to move. The opportunity was presented itself. And yeah, it's um, coaching... Uh, the team that I've played for for 11 years, and I'm an Aussie, so yeah, that um, was pretty enticing in the end. Obviously, your mate Ernie Merrick uh, let slip that you had chosen to resign from your role at New Zealand Hockey and you would be taking up a role in Australia. How long ago did you make this decision, and I guess how many people did you have to inform before, I guess, uh, it was let out to the public? I was... Um Offered the role on Friday. I let Hockey NZ know on Saturday. I didn't speak to anyone for some time. Um, Hockey NZ wanted to control the situation and advise their board, which uh, they have the right to do. Yeah, it got out a little bit earlier than I thought, but um, it was only 24 hours earlier. Obviously, you have been with New Zealand Hockey for four years as the Black Sticks head coach. What do you feel have been your greatest achievements in that role over the past four years? You know, we, we weren't successful at the Olympic Games in Rio. We came very close. Um, you know, we got kicked out in the, the quarterfinal, and while it looks, uh, you know, a failed campaign, we really did play our best hockey in two very important games at, at Rio. So that was the last round match um, where we beat Belgium to qualify for the quarterfinal position. Belgium ended up winning the silver medal there, so we uh, performed under pressure there to to win the game. And then, of course, we all but beat Germany in the quarterfinal, so we led for a large part of that game, only to be beaten in the last play of the game. So that was pretty upsetting to lose that game, but I've also got a lot of pride in the way the guys played in those final minutes. Yeah, it was heartbreaking to watch even from New Zealand. In a way, is that also kind of a, a little bit of a regret or, or a low light, not being able to make it to that sort of playoff for the medals? Yeah, it's probably a regret. Um, I look at it as a lost opportunity. You know, you don't get those opportunities very often. And um, Germany have been a quality side. They won the previous two Olympic gold medals and they won the bronze medal in uh, Rio. So... Yeah, they're a very good side. To beat them would have been uh, an exceptional uh, performance by us. And even the Germans acknowledged that they were very lucky to win that game. So they couldn't believe they won it in the end. Do you believe you are leaving the the men's team in a good position? Well, I think so. Um, you know, we've, we've got some good players coming through, some good young players. The team has changed quite a bit in the four years. I think it's got a good cycle ahead of it. Uh, there's a buoyancy about the program. There's some good coaches within the program, which I'm, I'm sure will carry the team to the next, you know, World Cups and uh, Tokyo Olympics. Colin Batch. And that's extra time for this week. You can follow us on Twitter at RNZ Sport. I'm Barry Guy. Bye for now. 
Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.